Hello, welcome to the Solution Focus podcast, the podcast of the UKASFP, uh, the United Kingdom Association for Solution Focus Practice. I am Chris Ward, and my guest for this episode is Rachel Gillibrand. Uh, hello, Rachel. Hi, Chris. Hi. So, um, yeah, so we met at um, a UKASFP Southwest Regional Network event in Bristol in October. That's um, right. So, yeah, you did a, a presentation for us about um, some research, research you've been involved in. Um, so mm -hmm. that's, that's why I've kind of invited you on to kind of talk about that, but also about, you know, your own work um, and kind of, you know, how you sort of discovered um, solution focus work and, and that kind of thing. So, um, so, so you're a psychologist and a solution focused hypnotherapist. That's well. right. Yes. Okay. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I initially trained as a psychologist. Uh, I did my PhD at the University of Southampton, and my particular interest was in health and well-being. And for goodness, um, about twenty years, I've been working in academia and. Uh, training people in health psychology at sort of master's and doctoral level. And along the way, um, I was supervising some really interesting research projects actually into health and well-being. And my training in the 90s was fairly straightforward, kind of CBT techniques. Um, and of course, you know, over time, mindfulness has become more important. Acceptance and commitment therapies have become more important. Mm -hmm. And the field of psychology has kind of broadened its approach to well-being. And in fact, I was doing some assessing for British Psychological Society and a couple of the trainees there were using kind of guided imagery. They were using solution-focused practice. Hmm. And I found them really interesting. I, I thought the, the students were getting some really interesting results. Uh, they were seeing a lot of positive change. And I was looking for something new and different for myself. And I found a course in Bristol that combined solution-focused techniques with hypnotherapy. Okay. And it was run by David Newton, a very well-known figure in solution-focused hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed the course. And... I put my hand up one time in class and I, I said, so what's the evidence base behind this then? Right. Mm. And he said, look into it. Mm. <laughs> and so I have been ever since. Right. And it really stimulated an interest for me mm. in this, to me, a new way of working right. with clients, very much looking at, you know, accept exceptions, instances, that sort of thing. But that kind of focus on where you want to be rather than the kind of digging into the problem. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was my early training. And I suppose that's kind of how I got here. And since then, I've just been utterly fascinated by solution-focused practice uh, and equally by hypnosis and, and kind of how that works. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a particular thing there, which... Um, so... The vast majority of people listening to this podcast will be very familiar with solution-focused practice, um, mm -hmm. solution-focused therapy. Um, not so many will be familiar with hypnotherapy yeah. and, and, and kind of the combination of the two. 
So, um, yeah, so that's something, yeah, I wonder if you could talk a bit about that. And it, so, yeah. so correct me if I'm wrong on this, the, the, as I understand it, so, so the way that you would typically do this is you'd conduct a solution-focused session, a solution-focused conversation, yeah. the way that we would all be familiar with. And then at the end, you kind of introduce a hypnotic trance. That's that right. Okay. Yes. So interestingly, Sigmund Freud had a go at hypnosis and oh. he didn't like it. And so um, he said it was no good. It was rubbish. But later in the 40s and 50s, Milton Erickson um, really got to grips with the use of trance and his approach to trance is very much kind of the use of indirect language and very early days he would talk about a, a crystal ball and the crystal ball you would gaze into the crystal ball and what is happening in your future and he would guide the clients through trance through this magic crystal ball into seeing their future where things are better, things are improved. And so in fact, you know, the use of hypnosis alongside what is, we would consider now a solution focused conversation, this sort of idea of preferred future, me and my preferred future, was really kind of established quite a long time ago. And in fact, you know, we've got Steve DeShazer, Insu Kimberg, they were really massively influenced by Milton Erickson. Yeah. And they yeah. kind of took the concept of the crystal ball mm -hmm. and I suppose dropped the notion of the hypnosis part of it, the hypnotic yeah. part of it. So solution-focused hypnotherapy, I suppose, um, reconnects the two. Mm. That's really mm. interesting. I didn't realise they had that common heritage. Yeah, mm. hypnotherapy, solution-focused therapy, both yeah, kind of come from an Ericksonian yeah we're working okay yeah and um, yeah that, yeah sort of look yeah gazing into a crystal ball and asking someone about their their preferred future their, their sort of best hopes of future that kind of thing yeah um yeah. that's really interesting okay so um right okay so something that occurs to me occurs to me about hypnosis is um is kind of making the distinction between the kind of fairground um hypnosis thing there's i think there's there's, there's a risk whenever we're talking about hypnosis and hypnotherapy that people start thinking about kind of people swinging watches. Yes, and, yes. <laughs> all that kind of thing. So, so it's not that, is it? No, I mean, we do get invited to parties, of course. You know, <laughs> right. For the tricks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, of course, you know, we don't do that. Um, some people use what they might call rapid induction techniques, and, and that is a way of kind of picking your fingers and now you're in trance. Right. Um, as a therapeutic kind of method, it's much more about a state of deep relaxation. Yeah. We take the person to a state of deep relaxation until the point where they're essentially daydreaming. Mm. And we use our language very carefully to keep the brain in a state of, kind of daydreaming. And we encourage them on a journey through somewhere nice, it might be the beach or the woods or uh, wherever you like to be. Whilst the brain is in trance, we tend to drop our conscious barriers. So the I can't do this, this couldn't possibly improve, is dropped while we're in hypnotic trance. And whilst we're in that relaxed state, where the brain is much more open to thinking perhaps I could perhaps actually change can happen. Mm. 
And I suppose that's the advantage of the type of trance that we use, is that kind of dropping of the boundaries. The person can come out of trance anytime they like, they can just open their eyes and they're out. Um, we can take them out of trance anytime they like, but a lot of people like the position of being in trance because it's such a lovely place to be, that kind of deep relaxation mm. where the therapist kind of takes you on this lovely journey towards the goals that you're hoping for yourself, you know, your best hopes. The way that we use hypnosis follows on from the solution-focused conversation, like you said. And so the client is already primed to be thinking preferred future, to be thinking solutions to the situation they find themselves in, to looking for change. Mm. And the words that we use in trance are very much around confidence and you can bring about change and you can see things in a different way, do things in a different way. And so it seems like a very natural combination yeah. of treatments, if you like. Yeah. And it can sometimes certainly accelerate the process. Right. Okay. Mm. So, yeah, so I, I suppose so what we're talking about is kind of reaching the end of the conversation. So this is a bit that... that yeah, we'll all be familiar with is is kind of um, reaching the end of the time for a session and kind of yeah, and then kind of leaving the client hopefully going away with kind of you know a sense of um, growing confidence in being able to achieve whatever it is yeah. they want to achieve, um, and and possibly even um, you know sort of the beginnings of some ideas about how they might begin to go about that. Um, that kind of thing. So then, so then we're used to at that point the, the person, like that person, kind of literally kind of leaving the room at that point with that stuff, and then we kind of think, well, you know, good luck to them. Let's hope this works. Um, and then yeah. they do whatever they they're going to do. Um, so it's it's kind of the same thing. Only at that point, instead of leaving the room, they then go to like a different part of the session where you'll kind of introduce a, a trance and kind of yeah, put them into a state of deep relaxation. Is the way you're yes, we keep right. the sort of transfer into hypnosis as smooth as we can. Okay, right. So there's no break, if you like, right. in the session. Yeah. Um, we reach a point with the preferred future discussion that um, we've got sufficient detail that we think the client can now work with this uh, image that they have in their mind of, of what change is going to look like and what change might be happening. Right. And at that point, uh, we might put the music on. So we have some very kind of um, non-intrusive music. It, it's the kind of uh, music you hear in perhaps massage, Reiki, that sort of thing. It, it's yeah. um, fairly repetitive um, music without a voice over the top. You know, it's just sort of yeah. there in the background. That can work uh, in a number of ways. Uh, if you want to be pure psychology on it, then potentially there's a, an operant conditioning process in place. The music goes on, they recognize it, they start to relax. Yeah. Uh, but also it does help the brain to kind of think, oh, this is a familiar situation. Um, I don't need to put the barriers up at this point. This is something I'm familiar with and I'm ready to listen. 
And from there, we just, we might um, ask the client if they want to pop their feet up or if they want to go on a couch, depending on the size of your room and the facilities you have available to you. Mm. Some people just like to stay where they are, some like to pop their feet up. Yeah. We look for them to be comfortable. Mm. And from there, we just start with a kind of, you know, take a few deep breaths. You might want to close your eyes, you might not, up to you. Hmm. And start with a, a full body relaxation, kind of from the top of the head down to tips and toes. Yeah. We take them into what we call a deepener. So we might take them down some steps into a garden. And that starts to work on the brain in a particular way. We're looking for a deep state of relaxation at this point. Hmm. And from there, we have our confidence talk, our positive talk. And most importantly, we use a metaphor always in our, mm. our sessions. We're Ericksonian hypnotherapists, and that metaphor is, of course, indirect. Mm. Uh, one of our favorites uh, might be uh, two trees, a tall tree, and a small tree. Mm-hmm. And the tall tree is envious of the small tree because it's so flexible and it bends in the wind, but the tall tree is, is older and stiffer and tall and but its roots go down deep into the ground and it's a small tree tells him that you too can be as flexible as me. Mm. You can dance in the winds of change. From that, you know, the message really is a kind of change of perspective that you too can make changes, even if you feel that your roots are so deep into the ground that change isn't possible. But those kind of metaphors are really crucial to the work that we do. The relaxation yeah. is important, but the metaphor, the brain really engages right. with that. Okay. We see quite a lot of change around that stage. And that is the key part of our work mm. is hearing that lovely metaphor and interpreting it in whichever way you wish. Yeah. Okay. So is that something you find is, is, it's kind of like a universally effective metaphor. So it's, it's kind of something that's going to, for, for most people listening, that it's, it's going to be fairly um, reliable, that it's, it's going to, they're going to interpret that metaphor as, as, as mm-hmm. being something about change and, and kind yeah. of entertaining. It's going to invite them to entertain the possibility of change and that kind of thing. Yeah, there are different styles of hypnosis, you see, and some people use specific metaphors to address specific things. Hmm. But going back to our Ericksonian roots, we know that we don't need to have a specific metaphor for a specific thing. Hmm. But on the whole, something like the two trees, Hmm. you pick up the message that you want to pick up i guess you know while you're listening to it you know what is it about the flexibility what is it about the new perspective that matters mm. to you that will help me deal with this problem i have right now just mm. by thinking about it in a different way okay yeah yeah it's interesting yeah so yes the thing that strikes me about solution focused work um just yeah sort of in isolation as it were just if we're just talking mm. about solution focused back it's one of the things in the like the choice of words, the choice of the way that we phrase questions mm-hmm. kind of naturally implies that change is possible. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, yeah, I won't kind of, you know, 
go into too much detail on that because that would be the stuff which everyone's going to kind of instinctively know what I'm talking about, I imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the whole thing. Is 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 very. I mean, it's um, it's we're 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 using assumptions, um, you know, about kind of people having capacity to achieve what they want to and all that kind of stuff. And it, it comes across in the way that we're talking with people. Yes. So this is kind of it's 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 like an extension of that is what strikes me. It's it's it's, it's another way of kind of um, communicating that belief. It is, okay. yes. Okay. And we encourage our clients to, uh, we create um, a sound file of the hypnosis part of the session. And each of our clients has a copy of that and they can listen to it each day. Mm. And so in between the therapy sessions, mm -hmm. they are relaxing, listening to this message that change is possible. Mm. Mm. Okay. You have the resources within yeah right okay um so yeah so you're saying about it being a, a, a fairly seamless thing does that mean that actually you could having heard um some detail you know because this is this is a bit is i imagine from what you're saying this is it kind of follows on from hearing a detailed description so it's it's kind of having heard that having sort of got a an indication that someone is really starting to kind of picture this, I guess, if we're sort of using the mm -hmm. crystal ball analogy, but it's kind of like someone's starting to really get in touch with, with what it is that they want and how they would know when it's starting to happen and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So really, so, so it's kind of at that point that you might kind of invite them to, so you can kind of, so I guess you're kind of then sort of saying, so would you like to now, um, yeah, try, I don't know how would you put, how would you put it, but like, you know, would you like to try the trance now or something? Try the trance now, no, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, yeah, yeah. Um, so so is that is that something which, in that case, it could be done at any point. It wouldn't have to necessarily be something you do at the end of the session. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. We tend to use it as a session because we yeah. see it as a way of uh, consolidating the work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, of a kind of fifty-minute hour session. 30, 35 minutes, say, might be the solution-focused component. Yeah. Uh, 15, 20, perhaps more minutes would be the trance right. side of it. However, there's um, perfectly sensible arguments to suggest that you use trance first. Okay. But um, it can be used as a way to relax, kind of open the mind, put the worries aside, and then move into after that's done, bring the person back into the room and say, right, so let's have a little think. What are your best hopes from today? Hmm. Yeah, okay, good stuff. So, right, okay, yeah, so that's, um, yeah, thanks for that. That's, that's certainly, um, yeah, giving me a better understanding of what we're talking about. Hmm. Yeah, solution focus, focus hypnotherapy is kind of the idea. Okay. Um, so yes, right. So now, so you've been involved in some research at University of West of England University. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, one of you. Yeah. So we'll talk a bit about. Yeah. Talk a bit about that. Yeah. So, like I said, I was in the class with David Newton mm -hmm. at the Clifton Practice, and I put my hand up and I said, well, "What's the evidence behind this?" Mm -hmm. Then, and uh, he said, "Well, you know, go and have a look." I was looking at the evidence behind solution-focused technique, hypnosis, hypnotherapy, hypnotic 
um, elements. In terms of anxiety, anger, depression, um, the key mental health concerns, if you like, that we work with. Mm. And I came across a paper that was really interested in what the brain was doing during these, these mm. techniques. A lot of psychological research involves the use of self-report measures, psychometrics, yeah. uh, interviews. The quantitative or biological methods are used in certain parts of psychology, mm. but not enormously so. Um, for a long time, the kit to do the studies has just been so phenomenally expensive right. to, that you know it hasn't been available in every institution. Mm. And over the last sort of 10, 15 years or so, the kit has come down in price. The universities are much more able to buy it. Yeah. Students are able to learn how to use it. And so there are more papers now using um, various bits of kit. I use something called an EEG kit, which is mm. electroencephalogram, yeah. uh, electrical activity of the brain measurements. Mm. Uh, a lot of papers are now published looking at the effectiveness of hypnosis on certain aspects. We've got sporting behavior, dental phobia, to name a couple, that show that there are changes in the brain when the person uses hypnosis. Right which means they seem to see better performance in sport, mm. are better able to manage pain. Mm. Um, particularly if we're looking at research studies into dentistry, we're mm. primarily concerned with pain yeah. and pain experiences. And I thought, right, okay, well, wonder what if we had the chance to look at what happens in the brain during a typical session so I put together a few ideas and I proposed a research project to the University of the West of England. Mm. And I was fortunate in being awarded some funding to carry out this study. And as part of it, I was able to train, I think eight students to support me in this project, to understand the kit and to, mm. to learn to work within a kind of natural research environment outside of the laboratory. And so we took the research project to the Clifton practice and they thought it was wonderful and supported us all the way through. Mm. And what I did is protocolized a therapy session. What I wanted to see was standard, standardized experiences for each of my participants as far as possible. Right. Because I wanted to be able to collect the data together and say, there seems to be something happening here. Yeah, okay. with this. And so I needed to minimize the amount of variation in terms yeah. of questions asked, you know, how the data spoke and so mm. on. So we had our protocol to follow. And essentially, we had our, our best hopes, um, instances, exceptions, scaling, preferred future, as mm. we would. And then we had the use of trance. Now, this study had a number of arms, if you like. One was self-report, uh, measures of confidence, happiness, anxiety, those things. We had interviews that the students conducted with each of the participants on their experiences of the research project and changes that they've noticed happening throughout. Right. And then we used the EEG kit. 
yeah. to look at what was actually happening in the brain during yeah. trance. Mm. And I was very fortunate in that a, a young student, Kieran, was really keen to know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And he spent hours and hours and hours for me working on this data. Mm. And it paid off. Uh, he's, at, I think, UCL now, studying neuroscience postgraduate mm. level. Okay. So um, he got his degree and mm. uh, he's moved on, which is fantastic. Mm. And just before he left, he sent me the final bit of data analysis, which is fantastic. Mm. It was important for me that I had other people looking at the data because I knew what I wanted to see. Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy to see what you want to see. And what I wanted was somebody independent to actually say, this is what's happening. Mm. So that was actually really good oh, and a good training experience for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what yeah. I found was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. One of the key things I think we're interested in with solution-focused practice, whether we're using hypnosis or not, Mm. we're looking to enhance the creativity of our clients mm. we're looking to see can they look at a problem in a different way can they look at their lives in a different way mm. can they think about others themselves in a different way and that requires creativity you know what we find is um in my practice Clients come to me and they have this thing they want to work through. And it feels as if they're stuck. They can't see an alternate ending. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just cannot see what might happen instead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so through our solution-focused conversation, we're looking to help support that client in finding the other side of them, the different side of them, a different way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at what was happening in the brain, certainly during the trance stage, there was a key part of the brain that was being triggered in my participants. Yeah. And this part of the brain is associated with creativity. Mm. And I was beyond excited. Yeah. <laughs> I was just so excited. It was so lovely to see it. Yeah. And to look then into further research uh, when I presented at the annual conference in June, July, um, it was so exciting because a lot of researchers had also published in the kind of four to six weeks before the conference, changes in the brain during creativity. Yeah. And they were discussing how to encourage creativity. Right. And the suggestions they were making were things relating to, say, broadening your life experiences, going out meeting new people, oh, going out trying new things, going out right. doing yeah. things differently. Yeah. And it's just mapped so beautifully onto the yeah. solution-focused approach. Yeah. And it was just so wonderful to see. And I, I put together the, the presentation hoping that people would find this as exciting as me. Right. And thankfully they did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, including a room for the people in Bristol. Um, yes. Yeah, event. yeah, that's it. Hence me inviting you onto this. Um, it's, yeah, so one of the things I particularly like about that that you're saying is it's, it's, it's one of the premises on which what we do is based is that people have the solution already within them kind of thing. 
Um, so, and we're, we're, we're trusting, it, this thing about kind of radical trust, we're trusting that they've got the answer to this. We don't need to kind of solve their problem for them. Yeah. Yeah, we, we just kind of need to kind of um, allow them the time, the space, the environment, whatever it is. But we're just kind of helping collaboratively kind of, you know, help them, helping them to kind of tap into that. So really what we're talking about is, is like tapping into their innate creativity, really. It's kind of, it's, it's, yeah. it's helping people to kind of realise their, their creative side in a, in a constructive way that's going to work for them. And we're just kind of trusting that they, they can do that and that they're going to, and it's something which we all experience is that people will surprise us with the things that they yeah. come up with. And then we're going, I never would have, if I tried to imagine what would be a good thing to suggest to this person to do, um then you know yeah flicking rubber bands across the room or something is not something <laughs> i would ever think of but it's the kind of thing people will say that they've done you know as a step in you know in in sort of yeah becoming the person they want to be and all that kind of stuff so it's really um it's really kind of validating that premise i think what you're saying is, is kind of you can actually it really see is physical yeah like actually see the physical evidence of, yeah. of someone's creativity kind of yeah really kind of coming into play and and yeah, completely yeah, yeah and i think we we do our best with our clients you know we use our conversation we hope to see change we believe absolutely that change is possible and um even inevitable you know that was milton erickson too wasn't it that change mm. is inevitable mm. um to see it in such a way mm. was absolutely fascinating because you know if people are filling in a self-report measure they might want to please you and give you a, a six whereas actually they're thinking well oh, i think it's only a four and a half or a five mm. but mm. You know, this therapist is desperate for me to improve i'm going to give her a six and mm. she'll feel happy that i'm improving mm. you know by using something like eg we can take that kind of demand characteristic out of the room that yeah. there is no way of pleasing us if yeah. there's just a bit of kit on your brain and yeah. what we're seeing is what is actually happening rather than through mm. the the lens of the client's need for approval or to yeah. to demonstrate change yeah. and i think that is i guess one of the key implications of this is mm. that objective measure of change yeah Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. It's a, it's a physical, observable thing. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Rather than um, yeah, kind of something that someone's um, kind of thought about and then translated into words and then presented words, which are then interpreted by someone else. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of yeah. It, it seems it seems sort of more direct somehow. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a physical thing. It's a bit like um, yeah, seeing. The evidence of, of someone being able to walk because they're standing up kind of thing it's, it's actually kind yeah. of seeing yeah um yeah. Yeah. okay um let me see so hmm. yeah so i suppose there is um there is the question in all of this which is how much of the phenomenon that we're kind of observing here is to do with the trance and how much is to do with the solution focused work yeah the focused conversation so. yes that's that's the next step right that yeah. is the next step this came from my interest in the use of hypnosis mm. hypnosis is 
very popular in some countries, not so popular in others. In this country, um, hypnosis as a therapy is fairly unregulated. Yeah. Um, we have the National Council for Hypnotherapy, which awards, if you like, the, um, the standard qualification, the diploma in hypnotherapy practice. Um, they're very rigorous and very careful in what is constitutes a pass, you know, on this qualification. Mm. But it isn't actually required to practice. And I think the reputation of hypnosis can be augmented by good quality research. People can actually say, this isn't just something that's quite nice to do, it is actually making a difference. And so I was really keen to step out there and have a go to see what hypnosis is doing. But now, as I continue to develop as a practitioner, I'm really intrigued as to how much hypnosis is doing this or the solution focus component is doing this is it happening together is one augmenting the other you know there are so many questions in there and it's something that i would be absolutely fascinated to continue to research Mm. and it would be nice to be able to put together a project where we could look at solution focus practice Mm. hypnosis and then solution focus practice plus hypnosis and to see Mm. uh, what is happening there yeah, absolutely. Right. Hmm. You know, the, the kit that I use, um, it's, um, it has no wires. You know, you put it on, it Bluetooths to the laptop. So yeah. the person can very comfortably be sitting, walking around, doing the therapy. You know, we wouldn't have to restrict them in any way. They don't have to be tied to the wall where the, the plug is, you know, yeah. to provide uh, electricity to the kit, anything like that. We can actually have a very naturalistic, therapy environment they just happen to be wearing this little bit of kit yeah which is comfortable enough um it's no more problematic than a wedding fascinator and so it's uh (laughs) this has fewer feathers but it just uh (laughs) but you know it's a very approachable bit of kit it's a very affordable Mm. bit of kit yeah it could be used in a genuine therapeutic environment right to and get a naturalistic research project going yeah hmm. and it's kind of it's in the order of a few hundred pounds i think it says like two three hundred pounds uh, yes the exchange rate has demolished yeah. it a bit but it's about 800 now oh okay right yeah yeah yeah, yeah certainly yeah a lot cheaper than yeah yeah the sort of thing that would be doing the same sort of um job it's a lot yes. cheaper. i think it would have been thousands a few years ago wouldn't it that kind of stuff yeah it, it's manageable within yeah. a sort of typical research grant yeah right yeah, okay, yeah. brilliant mm. right okay um, yes, well, yeah, thank you very much. That was really interesting. That's great. Thank you. Um, so if um, anyone listening wanted to contact you, find out more about you and your work, or to contact you to kind of discuss some of the stuff that you've talked about here in more detail, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Would you say? That would be great. I'd be really yeah. happy to hear from people. Yeah. Uh, if you can contact me via my website, mm-hmm. which is cviewtherapies.com, yeah. CV therapies is one word and right. it's simply because I can see the sea from my therapy room. Yeah, it's Western Supermare, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um so yeah, we'll yeah, we'll make a, a point of yeah, putting a link to that in the show notes. Thank you. Um so yeah, that's I think that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>